0: radioinfluence.com
1: Welcome back to another edition of the MMA Report Podcast with Dale Galvan. I am Jason Floyd. We are here to discuss everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. Daniel how's it going brother? Jason, I'm doing quite well. I just got back from
0: uh, watching Dua Lipa in concert. But as fun of weekend as I may have had in Houston, Texas, I know you had a much better weekend, bro. I,
1: I would tell you, you know, Sunday, just sitting on the couch, you know, just watching some DVR. And then uh, all of a sudden uh, my phone just starts blowing up. And the first thing and I feel like we we do this in uh, in, in sports is it's like, is this a real tweet? is this someone who has poofed Tom Brady's Twitter? And no, it's really Tom Brady. And uh, there were some, uh, there were some celebratory beers that uh, were, <laughs> were taking part in the Ford household. You know, and it, it's, it, I, you know, I was thinking about this uh, like relating to MMA because it, it's, it's really, it's, you know, uh, someone competing at 44, and 45 years old. And I don't think we ever see this in combat sports just because of, you know, the damage that that fires take on, even take out. I mean, uh, Guido Canetti going out 42 years old at Bantamweight going out there and getting a win. It's just, you know, I do wonder, are we going to see more of this in sports where uh, athletes go on longer in their life than they did 5, 10, 15 years ago?
0: I think so and it may not be in the UFC it may be in Eagle FC or bare knuckle boxing where these guys get into their late 40s competing but you know we've seen this story before in mixed martial arts when it comes to Randy Couture right that is the original old guy gets it done story but in terms of guys performing maybe better at age 45 inside the cage, than they did at 25. Will we see that more often, Jason? I don't think so. I just find it hard to believe that we're gonna see a 45 year old lightweight fight better than he did at like 29. That just seems crazy to me. But maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe they're able to maintain. Their athleticism better as sports medicine e- evolves, but Jason, I just really feel like in mixed martial arts, you know, you look at some of these cards. Look at um, the co-main event we saw at UFC between uh, Marlon Moraes and,
1: and 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 the twenty-four year old Song. Wait, you know you well, You try. You try not to say the last name because you think I'm going to clip it on you or something. Right, don't worry. Don't worry. I was doing my show on Saturday, and I and I I caught myself, and I go. Tower, who produces my shows on Saturday, I go. Tower, please don't clip that. Don't clip that. I'm not trying to sit here and talk about your dong. I get.
0: I just get messed up if I should go your dong song or song your dong. But regardless, the difference in that fight to me was like the the physicality of both fighters. Like to me Song's speed and, and whatnot was the difference between Marlon Moraes who is it was a really great fighter in that weight class. So Jason, to answer your question, I think the difference between Tom Brady and LeBron James is they can be all-star level players in their specific sports while losing a little bit of athleticism whereas in MMA man, it's really difficult if we're not talking about heavyweights or you know, women featherweights.
1: Speaking of Marmeray, man, this guy's—you know—you're talking about, you know, one in five now in his last six. And if you would have told me that that fight was going to end at two minutes and six seconds of the first round. I would have put money that Marlon Moraes won by knockout, but I mean, it's going to be interesting to kind of see what happens with him. Of course, we'll talk about UFC Vegas here a little bit later on the show. Also, we'll talk about uh, what happened on Friday night, Eagle FC down there in South Florida. Also on Saturday, you had Bellator 276. Also, I've got a pair of interviews for you. You're going to hear the conversation I had with Jalen Turner. He's coming off a win there at UFC 272. Also, you hear the conversation I had with UFC vet KB Ballar, who is coming off a win there, unified MMA 43. Three event, really entertaining matchup that he had there. So you hear those conversations later on the show. But Daniel, uh, I want to start off this episode of the, of the show by talking about a tweet that was sent out by PFL chairman Don Davis, where he said he tweeted, "Hey, at Scott Coker, who is Chris Cyborg fighting over at Bellator MMA to sell this nonsense? Kayla versus Cyborg. Loser pays event production costs. PFL is in. Kayla is in. How about Bellator?" and Cyborg, which when I saw this tweet, my, my initial thought was, I would hope that, uh, Don Davis did more than just compose a tweet to put out there because by, by just sitting out a tweet, like to me, that's not, you're not doing action. It to me, it's more of, you're trying to, you're trying to get people to talk about you. And I, I and in today's world, do I think this is realistic? No, I don't. I don't think it's realistic at all. I think it'd be very interesting. No, did anybody from the PFL contact anybody for Bellator? And if they did not, that to me is very telling about their intentions here. Now, look, I, I will say this. You know, uh, we've talked about the Kayla Harrison free agency for for weeks now, and of course, you know, we did the show last week. We knew that that PFL had matched the contract that Bellator put out there for her. But uh, I mean, it, it's one of these tweets. I sit there and I'm just like. Is anything really going to happen with this? I don't think so. I I think, look, I think if we see Cyborg versus um, Kayla Harrison, it's in a PFL cage sometime in 2023 because uh, the rumor is that uh, Chris Cyborg's contract will end uh, sometime later this year for Bellator.
0: So, before I tackle anything else, when you say the rumor, are we talking about a time, or are we talking about a fight deal? Like, is it a a time expiration, or does she have two fight slips on her deal? Time expiration So just by that point in time It's going to expire Yeah. Well the the balls in PFL's court Just to hold pretty and and be patient To make that fight happen They really don't need Bellator to tango When it comes to this particular dance The tweet itself is funny And not realistic right No promotion is going to take that bet Is going to take that gamble These companies are in the money making business Their goal is to make some money And uh a co-promoted pay-per-view event with Kayla Harrison taking on Chris Cyborg would be an interesting idea. How much of a success do you think that would be? Or do you think that wouldn't be a success?
1: Someone asked me that question. They're like, how many pay-per-view buys do you think he would do? And I was like, look, I, I think it would, it would depend on what's the rest of the card look like. I think it would make much more sense from a viewership aspect to put that like on you know, whether it's a CBS or, or an ESPN, I understand that why you would want to put that on, on pay-per-view. But look, I think Bellator and PFL are in the same dilemma. PFL side of the equation, what fight gets you excited that PFL can currently make for Kayla Harrison? Okay, Julia Budd. After that, sorry, there's nothing else that interests me. And for Bellator, they're going to have Chris Cyborg now. She's in the rematch frenzy. She's now going to rematch Arlene Blenko on the uh, events coming to Hawaii um, next. I think it's next month or two months from now. And, and so it's like for Bellator, like I know people keep pointing at this Cat Singano fight. Like cat has got a name. I just think Chris is going to roll right through her. Like and, and so to me, they're both in this weird position. And if I'm Chris Cyborg, if I'm in her camp and this fight becomes a reality, because she's the A side of the fight. Because of of her history. Would Chris demand the fight be at 145?
0: Man, I don't know. That would be embarrassing if she demanded it be at 145, and then she's the one who misses weight. Uh, But I I think maybe. I I think the Chris Cyborg, Kayla Harrison camp, it's just going to be mind games from the get-go, from every single little thing. So I, I think that's really in the realm of possibility. Man, it's crazy to me that Chris Cyborg is only 36 years old because it feels like she's been a fixture on the MMA scene since like the mid to late 2000s. And, you know, I I, I just feel like her biggest competition in Bellator is mother time. It's not even the opponents inside the promotion. And, you know, the same can be said for Kayla Harrison, right? Like right now in the MMA landscape. Kayla Harrison and Chris Cyborg inside a cage go together like peanut butter and jelly. But you look at each promotion and, and like in PFL, you know, if Kayla's jelly, all PFL has is mayonnaise and mustard and ketchup. And that's just not a very good combination. Those two are made to fight each other this year. It needs to happen. We may need to be a little bit pay, more patient for that to fight to happen. But it, it, it's just simple. We have two A-side fighters that are a part of promotions that don't have B-side fighters. They don't have C-side fighters. You got to keep on going down the alphabet. And it's not like in the UFC it's that much different than either Bellator or PFL when it comes to featherweight fighters. But the difference is I think the UFC's like pomp and circumstance and promotion would have been a great situation for Kayla Harrison to get into. I think the UFC would have figured out how to make a lot of money in the Kayla Harrison business. But, you know, the uh, Kayla Harrison sweepstakes is officially over for this year. She re-signed with the PFL for such a dynamic topic that took up so much time on our podcast. I must say, it ended so anticlimatically.
1: I, I watched several interviews that she did, and maybe it's me. She came off as she was really upset that the PFL matched that deal. And it it once again shows what free agency is in mixed martial arts. You know, like we are right now in the start of NFL free agency of unrestricted free agency there is no such thing as unrestricted free agency when it comes to someone that's in a position like a Kayla Harrison it just shows that it we are it's restricted free agency um it's it's a great it's great for the promotions I don't know if it's it's necessarily great for for fans and the fighters but it just kind of shows that aspect of it and you know I saw this article on MMAfiring.com and I thought it was a really interesting uh, debate that uh, they had on their website. Kayla Harrison or AJ McKee which non-UFC fighters more likely become a household name? and you know you know there's obviously a lot of things the PFL, spits out there about why they believe they're the number two organization. Now, the one thing that I do believe that they have a edge over on Bellator is their distribution platform of being a part of the ESPN family and networks, as opposed to Bellator being on Showtime. You know, I, I do that. It to me, if we're talking about, you know, who's got the edge, the check mark is going into the PFL side of that equation. But you look at other metrics like, I don't know, YouTube subscribers, Twitter, social media. It's all about Bellator. But I thought it was a really interesting question because Kayla Harrison, she may be the best female fire in the world right now. We don't know because based on the on, on who she's facing, she may be the very best female fire in the world. AJ McKee, you know, he to me when you talk about fires under the age of thirty years old, AJ McKee is probably the best fire under thirty years old.
0: Oof, that's a good, how old or is he, Islam? I, I think how, he's how, t- is, how old is Islam Mark, yeah. Islam's dirty, so you might be. Yeah, you might be onto something. Oh, that's a that's a good question. I mean, look, AJ McKee might end up being the best fighter on the planet, so it's not like what you just said is outrageous. It's a hell of a question. I think to answer the question, which non-UFC fighter is 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 was gonna is more gonna be more
1: popular, more more likely to become a household name
0: outside the UFC. I think the answer is Keela Harrison. Uh, right now she has, you know, like, I want to say 170,000 followers on Instagram compared to AJ McKee's 100,000. AJ McKee has already beaten Patricio Pitbull. What more does he need to do, deliver a baby inside the Bellator cage? So I think the answer is Keila Harrison. But with that being said if we're just limiting that answer to while fighting outside the UFC, I think if I'm gonna take a ticket, a Kayla Harrison ticket or an AJ McKee ticket, and I'm gonna invest and I'm gonna say, which of these two fighters will be more popular when it's all said and done, I would be more interested in grabbing the AJ McKee ticket because I think it's really possible he can go to the UFC and be the best fighter in that promotion, male or female, and have a steady flow of interesting, marketable contenders. So AJ McKee and Kayla Harrison, this is a great question because they are both phenomenal fighters that are top of their game. But I think AJ McKee has more upside from a name value. If he signs with the UFC, because not only could he possibly be the top fighter in his weight class, but he will consistently be promoted against a bevy of interesting challengers. If he's able to hold on to that title.
1: I think the reason I would, and look, I think it's, it's a one, a one B type situation here. I would probably side with AJ McKee based on the fact of he's going to have better dance partners right now. Kayla Harrison doesn't have the dance partners. She is getting paid a, crap ton of money Bellator put out a huge offer that the PFL matched so she's she's getting paid she got the bag but I feel like AJ McKee's got a better chance of becoming that marketable fighter just because of he is going to have dance partners that Kayla Harrison will not Kayla Harrison your, your goal has got to be somehow that PFL can make the fight with Chris Cyborg outside of that that's the biggest problem with Kayla Harrison is does there become a point, And I think we saw this with Ron, there started becoming a point in Ronda Rousey where there were people that are just like, uh, I'm just not interested in seeing her fight anymore because of, hey, she's going to go in, ragdoll somebody, boom, it's over like that. It's kind of it's like that old school Mike Tyson effect. I just I think the reason I would go with McKee is just the better dance partners.
0: Yeah, I I think so too. And I think he really knows how to market himself. Man, this uh it's crazy. You got my mind going because I started going through all the UFC rankings, and it's kind of crazy how many champions aren't are over the age of 30. I think actually all of them are, at least in the in the men's divisions. I would assume Rose Rosomis is under 30. Um, but I feel like all the male champions are are over 30 years old i think when you're looking at the only one would be the interim champion at bantamweight peter yan is 29 i want to say and obviously brandon moreno is younger than 30 but he no longer has that championship
1: all right so i just happened i just googled best MMA fighters under the age of 30. so this is on over at uh topology best ufc fighters under 30. yuri patakja alexander Rakic. Magomed and Kalev, Peter Young, Rose Nam, Eunice, Bram Moreno, Max Holloway, Corey Sanhagen. Max Barbara- Holloway
0: is under 30?
1: Yeah, Max has got you right around 30.
0: That's, he's 30 years old now, So, but he turned 30 in December, so that makes sense. Okay, yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry. Barbara
1: Vittori, Vicente Luque, Darren Till, Johnny Walker, Yair Rodriguez, Kevin Lee, uh, Kevin Honlan. That's That's the top 15.
0: So basically, the top three UFC fighters under 30 is pretty obviously Peter, Jan, Brandon Moreno, and Rose Eunice. Yeah. That's your top three. Where do you think AJ McKee, you think AJ McKee is like number four amongst those fighters? Or would you put him above any of those three fighters? Ooh. I mean, I would honestly put AJ, oh, I hate to say this, I love the guy, but I'd probably put him over Brandon Moreno. I,
1: I would probably, yeah, I'd probably put him over Brandon.
0: I would put Jan over McKee. I mean that would be one hell of a
1: fight. I, I, you know, yeah, I would. Pro- I, I'd probably go Jan, McKee, Rose Moreno. Jan, yeah, I
0: I, I would kind of, like if we were doing a pound. For, well, yeah, I would I would probably go like that for okay. pound for pound
1: rankings. To further my point on the dance partners, okay. I've talking like last week on the show I had Mas now. He thinks McKee will beat Pitbull in the rematch. I think that is going to be the very popular pick. What fight interests you more right now? Realistic fight that can be made. Kayla Harrison versus Julia Budd or AJ McKee versus Adam Borax?
0: Personally, I just watched Adam Borax have this amazing fight against, uh, against Burnell. But no one I know is aware of what just transpired. So yes, I'm obviously looking way more forward to to Borax and AJ, then Bud and Harrison, but I don't think that makes any difference to the casual viewer.
1: What, look, I don't think it helps Bellator when if you walk out to a bar this past Saturday night, you can watch Bellator. If that bar had an ESPN Plus commercial subscription, you could watch the ESPN card.
0: Yeah, I would be surprised if you see... Yeah, you, you, you're right, and, and that certainly doesn't help, and it, and it sucks because, again, like the main event was kind of a star-making performance for those that did watch that fight. I mean, that was just, that was one hell of a stand-up war. And, and it was a fight where I felt like Adam Borax brought it, and it was kind of like, remember in the very beginning of Adam's Bellator career, you kind of felt like his ceiling was limitless. Like, he had the ability to do anything. He had the ability to become a champion, and then he just stumbled greatly. Well, the main event was kind of like a return to that idea. For me, and so yeah, I mean Adam Borax and AJ McKee, sign me up. Adam Borax and Patricio Pitbull, let's get it done. Uh, he to me, watching that fight was like, oh, this guy is a stud, and I can't wait to see him fight again. And again, Matt Burnell, he brought the fight too, man.
1: I, I, you know, the thing that that really stuck out to me about that fight was just more of. Uh, Adam Borks being able to keep it on the feet the the entire fight, you know, walking in that fight I just thought that Brunel would uh, really utilize his grappling and you know, and one thing that Brunel said on the show last week that really stuck out to me and and, and he wasn't trying to say it in a disrespectful manner to talk bad about Adam Borks, but he just said, he's like, look, he's basic at what he does. He goes, I've seen everything that he does. He doesn't do something that's unique. He goes, you know, you're going to have to look out for those flying needs. But man, that was like, if you tell me like, if it's three Saturdays from now, PFL Bellator are going head to head and the main events are McKee versus Borax and Kayla versus Julia Budd, I'm turning on Bellator. I'm not turning on the PFL.
0: Absolutely, because you kind of already know what's going to happen when Kayla fights Julia Budd. Uh, that agent McKee-Borax fights, you know, McKee will be a heavy favorite if that fight is ever booked, I think. He'll be a pretty significant favorite. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm certainly thinking, you know, Borax is a much more live dog. I mean, how can you not... The way he fought Mads Burnell, he was just so relentless. Like, the volume was there all five rounds. I mean, he had enough cardio to do some dancing in round four and, and the power was there. And, and the thing with him is just like, just a diverse striker. I mean, this dude has like eight limbs in there. If he's able to keep the fight on the feet against AJ McKee, that's just a, a, an interesting fight. Whereas Kayla Harrison, it's kind of an open and shut case that should run through Julia Budd.
1: Uh, speaking of, uh, you know, tweets and challenges. So what's more likely, Don Davis's tweet or Jake Paul's challenge to Dana White on a one fight deal for Conor McGregor.
0: Yeah. What was the specific? What was the. Specific, um, what was the, so, the
1: so this is what Jake Paul said. He goes, Dana, since you like me now, how about a one fight UFC deal to fight Conor? If I win, you agree my UFC fighter pay and health care proposal. If I lose, I donate my entire purse to all UFC fighters who make less than $50,000 a fight and never mention UFC again deal
0: yes i i feel like as crazy as the pfl offer was to bellator it's safe to say that one is more likely to happen than uh dana White agree to this one although man Jake paul would probably get destroyed although you know if he fights conor mcgregor he might be a live dog in that one but yeah i mean if he fights conor mcgregor and beats him like now he's just to get a ufc title fight who wins a boxing match conor mcgregor or jake paul
1: I would put my money on Jake Paul. I would
0: too. I would. Isn't that depressing? Yeah. That's I mean, plus also
1: Jake Paul's probably got what? 20 pounds on Connor. Oh yeah. I, even though true. Connor is, uh, he is in that, he, thick boy, buff. he is in that thick boy club right now. <laughs> yeah. He is
0: looking, but I've never seen, I don't know if it was the shirt or what, but like that could have just been an adult small. He was wearing, but damn, he looks buff.
1: I would say I was having a conversation with somebody today and they were asking about when will Connor fight next. And I was like, it seems like, the, you know, they'd really like this happen in July. Who knows? I'm like, you know, Masdol, I think would be the, the ideal fight. I go, but I'm more and more convinced Conor McGregor's next fight will be against the winner of Olivera Gaichi.
0: Yeah, I think you're probably right. That's depressing as hell. It really is. I mean, it's, it's more depressing than, you know, looking at Jake Shields Twitter feed. Uh, yeah, that is probably what will happen. But uh, yeah, you know, I, 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 I've been an MMA fan for a long time now, and I'm kind of used to this uh, type of uh, relationship with Dana White, where he just treats me poorly because I care about championships and he doesn't.
1: Yeah. I mean, there, there was uh he had a comment the other week and it was just like, yeah, Conor's getting a title shot. I mean, it's, like <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, yeah, it's coming. It's coming, bro. I just, like we just need to brace ourselves for this.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, we need to. We need to brace ourselves for it. It's gonna happen. Uh, it's like you know, it's it, it's things like this happen. Like the only thing that happens more consistently is one FC getting behind a fighter and then they lose. Right? Like oh, the-
1: by by the way, if people did not see the Bibiano Fernandez John Lineker fight, go on YouTube and watch that thing. That was fun. I mean, that was a banger. I mean, both guys get rocked in this one. You you think Lineker's on verge of a knockout. Bibiano comes back and rocks John Lineker, and then Lineker, like, I remember, because I want to say the fight in the third round, I want to say. And I was I like, did, yeah, it was either second or third round. And, and I was about to, I'm, I'm sitting here in the office. I'm watching the fight and I'm, I'm like about to tweet. No way this thing is going five rounds. And then literally about 20 seconds later, uh, John Lineker knocks him out. Yeah, that was man. That, that was a banger. That was a fun fight to watch.
0: Dude, this is crazy. This one FC card was called lights out and i believe every single fight on the quote-unquote main card ended to be a ko or tko uh the, uh, the fight i was referencing by the way just a, a phenomenal highlight i i remember getting to work on friday and, and seeing people already tweeting out the link or at least the gif of it and then the thing i was getting out was gary Tonin, right that high level grappler performed well for a bit in round one i mean i all yeah, the fight only lasted about like 50 some seconds but You know, Gary Tonin gets put away by Don Lee. I think Tonin, his days as a featherweight challenger for the 1FC Championship are are still going to happen. But tough loss for Gary Tonin, who I think is a guy they probably wanted to build around.
1: Oh, no question. It was it was a banger of a card. I, I really enjoyed it. They got their big uh, anniversary card come up here as well. But uh before we get into uh, everything else that happened in the world of MMA with results from last week, let's uh let you hear the first interview here on this week's edition of the show it is with Jalen Turner who is coming off a win there at UFC two seventy two. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who's coming off a stoppage victory UFC 272. Jalen Turn. Jalen is always the man. Uh, appreciate the time. Obviously, uh, a tremendous victory uh, that you had here. I mean, I'm sure you've probably gone back and you've watched this thing uh, callous amount of times over the past couple of days. Like, a- as you think about your your overall view of the fight, is there something that, that sticks out above all else?
3: Um, in my on on my end or on my opponent's end, either, either end. Um. I it sticks out how durable he was, most definitely and how good of a poker face he had. Like I keep raving about that because man, like after watching the video, I see the parts where he was hurt and I see how his reaction was like was because him of him being hurt. but in the fight, I couldn't see it. I was just like, oh shoot and I'm usually really good at reading body language, but he like masked his really well.
1: Is that one of the things that that you feel like throughout your career, whether we're talking about your your first fight or your fifth fight, like you could always kind of see that and just for some reason, uh, Malarkey just was able to disguise it well this time? Yeah,
3: without a doubt. Like I, I can, like, especially like with body shots, like I always see when somebody's like about to fade or crown board, if they like actually like hurt them or not. And he like just great poker face.
1: I uh, you know I guess uh, really the the only quote unquote adversity I guess someone would say that you dealt with in this fight uh, at least from what we could see was in that final minute of the first round. I mean, is there anything else you would label to of where you thought that uh, you know Jamie did a great job?
3: Um, shoot, man. Um, it was honestly the the the, the takedown. Like that was it. Like. I didn't anticipate it. I didn't expect it. I got comfortable striking. Like a just defended one and he just shot again. So, um, yeah, that was, I feel like that was really good on his end. Um, heck, he, he, he I don't know, he hit me you know? and <laughs> I hadn't been hit like that in a while. So I, I, I give him the credit for, those, for that too. I mean, the face is pretty clean. Like, it doesn't seem like he got any bruises. Yeah, nah, nah. He didn't didn't do too much damage, but um, he he touched me a couple times. I give him that. It was crazy, dude. After the fight, like, his his tooth was broken. Oh, really? Yeah. I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) Like, I was like, man, you would have did it to me, but at the same time, like, my bad, bro.
1: (laughs) Okay, so have you ever broken a tooth in a fight?
3: No. No, in training, I've cracked my teeth, but, like, not in the fight. And, and yeah and his was bad it was like "cause was bad I was, like, I was like did i
1: do that <laughs> uh that's that's awesome uh you know i, I was reading a story on, on com. it was talking about uh yeah, you, you believe this is actually the last fight on, on your deal. Was that, was, was that all in the mindset leading into this fight of like, man, I got to go out and make some big statement to kind of put everything over the edge. I mean, you know, cause I, I guess outside looking in, I would sit there and say, man, that's gotta be on the mindset heading into the fight.
3: Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, uh, go in there, get, get, a, get the f- a fourth consecutive finish at that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going on doors, man. Like I, you know, it's it just looks better. My resume looks better when we talk numbers. It just looks better. You know, it's just it's just winning and finishing looks great in the UFC's eye. Like they love that.
1: Like as you think, you mentioned about four or five winning streak, all via stoppage. As you describe the last four fights in comparison to the first three fights, obviously the first fight, short nose, upper weight class, there's that aspect. But, like, how, how do you kind of, if you're going to break it down, like, hey, that was the, the first quarter of your UFC career, and these last four is your second quarter, like, is, is there anything you label to a, of key differences for you? Um, Mindset,
3: um, mindset for the most part, man. Like, I'll just change my mind, change up the training. Um, got way more dialed and way more serious with everything, um, in all aspects. Um, and yeah, man, I, I I I think I think it's the walkout music too. You know, I, I choose a, I choose a good artist. <laughs> so um, I've been undefeated walking out to J Cole songs. That's one of my little secrets. But I just threw it out there. I was like, you know, might as well. So um, yeah, if you look up every walkout song I had in the UFC, it's, it's always in, in all my wins have been with uh, I walked out to J Cole.
1: So, are you superstitious?
3: You know, I used to be really superstitious. I used to be so like, like a big like. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go have fun when I was in camp. I wouldn't do anything. Like, I wouldn't go enjoy my life. Like, I was just like, zoned so in. Like, oh, I can't do this. Oh, you want to go out to dinner? No, I got, I'm, I got a fight. Oh, you want to go go to the movie? No, I got to fight. So I'll. I've broken all that within these last, this last year. I'm just enjoying life. So, no, I'm not as superstitious as I used to be.
1: So, yeah. Because yeah, I've heard, you know, fires talk about, like, they, they talk about, you know, kind of living this fight life. There's, there's things that the social life kind of sometimes gets uh, forgotten about. I mean, is that one of those things of, as you've just, uh, you know, you know, I guess we kind of we can all relate to this in a work way of like you sit there and say there's got to come a point in the day you just say, you know what, that's got to be me. I got to have fun. Was was there a turning point in your career for this?
3: Yeah, yeah, that definitely uh, that just came about within like the last two fights. I was just like, you know what, I put in my work. Uh, my mindset's there. I feel like my mind is just sharper than ever. My focus is there, so why not go out and have fun, enjoy myself, whatever, be a little bit social. Of course, I stay away from, like, alcohol and everything, but, like, you know, I'm just living my life. Like, I went and flew to Philadelphia to meet these breeders, um, uh, my friends, uh, Chrissy and Mark, and... I bought a puppy from them. I would have never done that ever in my career before. I would have never done that. Like there, I would have been like, there's no way I wouldn't even got the dog. I would have been like, Hey, like, can you guys wait until after my fight for me like, to send the dog? Like, and I was like, it's so weird. You know, like, 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 why is I, I don't know why I was like that. Like, just superstition, just trying to like be as focused on your mission and task as possible. But at the same time, like I've just grown to realize like it's my job, you know, like people, people that have jobs, like they still have social lives, they still go out and do things like you can't just be so locked in with your job that you don't enjoy life, you know, like, and of course, that being said, like, I also put in my work as hard as I can, you know, I'm still training like two three times a day. So if it's like if I'm doing that and I have a little bit of spare time on the weekend or a weekday or, you know, I'm doing really good, like why not take a day off to go enjoy myself and enjoy life? And, you know, because if I'm going to do this the next seven years, like I don't want to be have a miserable seven years of not enjoying my life.
1: Yeah. So now that you have a a dog, do do you let the the tarantulas out and about to? uh, Has there been some interactions between the two?
3: No, none at all. Yeah, no. (laughs) I yeah. <laughs> keep them separate, because um, some of the species I have, if they if they bite the dog, the dog will
1: die. I I did see on your Instagram there was you had this video of feeding your tarantula with some blue thing, which what what <laughs> what were you feeding the tarantula? Like I'm looking at this, because like is this just some oversized worm. <laughs> uh It's called a hornworm. Okay, so then I saw someone commented on it, and I had the same thought. There is this. Liquid that is pouring down as the tarantula's having meal. What is that liquid? That's that's
3: the juices from the worm. That's like its guts or something. But um, yeah, that's that's what the
1: tarantula eats. So they they like it. Yeah, I just I'm, I'm seeing this video. I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, I gotta keep it interesting,
3: you know. I can't just feed the typical cricket every now. You know, I gotta throw a roach in there, throw a lizard in there, throw a little pinky mouse in there every now and again.
1: So how many tarantulas are we up to at this point?
3: Uh, I think I have about 27 right
1: now. Are, are we uh, planning to use some of that, uh, that wind money to uh, go acquire some more?
3: Oh yeah, definitely. I I went to actually went to a reptile show um, in Vegas right after the fight, but they didn't have the species that I was looking for, so I was a little bummed about that. But there was some nice selections in there. I was actually going to get a tail boa, but I ended up not pulling the trigger. My mom was there; she was like, "You're not spending that much money on a snake right now." I was like, "It's <laughs> like maybe after the next win." I was like, oh, man," because it was it was pretty pricey. It was like it was like forty five hundred dollars. I was like, oh, "I want it," but I was like, "No." So I was like, "She's right." I was like, "I'll spend that money elsewhere."
1: So, do you, uh, so do you and mom go out for a special meal after the victory? Um, yeah, we went to, uh, I took the
3: family out because my mom and sister, um, we, uh, where did we go? It was this place in Vegas. It's like egg something. It was really good though. It was really good. I ate a lot. I, I don't even know how I finished all my food. And I ate some of my mom's food. I was like, yeah, that was crazy.
1: So, at what point do you step on the scale? Or has that already happened to see how much you're weighing?
3: I'm, I'm not even thinking about the scale right now. I'm not looking at the scale for another week. And once I get back in the gym, I look at the scale. Then I, that'll be my motivation. But right now, no, no scale.
1: But is, that, is, is your mindset just like, man, the, the week after a fight, man, it's about just decompressing?
3: Um, for me, I try to catch up with family, you know, I try to catch up with family time, like enjoy the the victories, the victory dinners, victory lunches, eat as much as I want. I eat all my bad stuff the week after the fight. I'm eating like God knows what. I don't care what's in it. McDonald's, I don't care. Just put it in my face, I'm going to eat it. And then after that, I start tapering down. I get grossed out at some point of how much I've eaten and like the food that I've eaten that I just like want to just eat clean. So that's, that's how I do it. I, I just binge out a little
1: bit. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, Yeah, you know? as long as I, you don't get that, Hey Jay, we got to fight. Uh, but can you be ready at X time? <laughs> See, nah, I, I can't be me. I'm not, I can't, I
3: don't even think I can make weight short notice. Like I used to anymore. It was, man, it's just, it's
1: crazy. Is it just because of, you know, being older and, and it just, it's, it's a process to get the weight off
3: yeah man it's starting to it's starting to get there you know like i'm not i'm not twenty three anymore like it's not coming off as quick it's still coming off like trust me but like 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 the last like few pounds like the suffering is just getting a little bit more hard like it's like it's I'm really suffering <laughs> like shoot but also it's 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 also because like I just love food so much like I don't care like good bad food whatever I just love food I like eating so like just cutting down my portions in half or fractions like <sighs> Just, you know, it's drag, but, you know, it's still, east. I'm still making the weight. Like, I'm not like, oh my gosh, I'm dying. I'm just yeah. like, you know, I'm just being a little bit dramatic about it.
1: You know? <laughs> so, so has, is there ever a thought of, okay, I'm, I might age a couple of years and maybe 170 could be where uh, the, the, the last part of your career ultimately ends up being at? No, I don't think so. Um, my metabolism, my
3: metabolism is pretty pretty good still. So I think I'll, I'll be able to make fifty five for a while. Um, I will consider going up when I start walking around at like like one ninety. You know, yeah. like like walking around, like like having to like like being in the gym training, and then I'm one ninety. That's when I'll be like, okay, maybe it's time to move up. But I guess when I start training consistently, I get down to like eighty. 80, 79, and I'm like, alright, I, I still make 55, like, I'm good. God, I know a lightweight that walks around like
1: 190.
3: Yeah, it's exactly. People <laughs> think I'm big. People think I'm crazy. I got called a weight bully. I was like, you guys have no clue. I'm like, you guys don't even understand the game. Like, you don't know what's going inside, and now like, fighters... <laughs> 50, like Jamie Varner. I used to I used to follow Jamie Varner really close. Like before I got in the, got into the, uh, the show before he retired and everything. I used to watch his wake up process. I used to cut from like 190, 195 to make fifty five. I was like, what the hell? I was like, how? So like like you know, hearing that, seeing that, I'm like, I'm not even that big of fifty five. Like I walk around like eighty five at like the like when I'm heavy, like I'm eighty five heavy, you know. So yeah, I, I'm I'm good. I'm making my weight.
1: I, I think it's because people see your length. And the way that length looks in comparison, like, like for instance, this past Saturday with, with Jamie, it, it was just, you could just see how much more of that length you had. I, I think that's where that, that probably comes in at.
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, the, the longer frame makes me look bigger, quote unquote, I guess. So
1: yeah. Jay, of course, as always, man, I appreciate you coming on the show. Of course, uh letter with nothing Follow you on social media, anything else you want to mention, man?
3: um shoot um social media the Torrential mma on instagram jalen turner on facebook and twitter um i just want to thank you for the time thank you for everything we've been interviewing for a while appreciate it and um yeah hopefully i'll get back in there soon put on the show for you guys
1: And that was my conversation with Jalen Turner. I appreciate him taking some time out of his day to talk to me about his win there against Jamie Malarca at UFC 272. And uh, interesting talking about uh, how his mom stopped him from buying another tarantula for $4,500 in Las Vegas. I did not realize tarantulas were that expensive, Daniel. I've
0: not looked into the prices of tarantulas. I'm going to be honest with you. You haven't? No. No, I want to keep my girlfriend. So yeah, I haven't.
1: You think that would scare your girlfriend a little bit if you, uh, you know, she just came over and then magically you had a tarantula sitting in a uh, in, in your room?
0: I think it would be what the kids call a red flag. You know, <laughs> I, I, just, I just do. Are well, you telling me you show up and, and you got a tarantula I, and you're I, not I, in the
1: doghouse? But I always feel like you would do that to just get a reaction.
0: That's true. I do live on off the high that is people laughing or being freaked out and it's going to get me in trouble.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I I feel like that probably would not work out well for you.
0: Yeah, like I do this thing where whenever we're riding in a car, I fart just for that moment of laughter. But she hates me. I think my girlfriend legitimately hates me because I fart too much.
1: Bro, you better watch out. She is going to get you back at some point.
0: Dude, if she farts back, I think that'd be hilarious. But she told me she doesn't poop, so... (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh man. oh she, she's, she, 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 she's like Kim Jong-un over here oh man oh man but uh, let's talk a little bit about what happened last week in MMA uh, of course on Friday we had Eagle FC 46 and uh, then of course we had UFC and Bellator there on Saturday uh, of course Kevin Lee getting the win against Diego Sanchez 30-27 across the board also Ricky Bende uh, Ray Borg gets a split decision win against Ricky Bandejas uh, you know and then of course on Saturday we, we talked a little bit about uh, the Bellator main event Adam Boris going out there getting win against Mads Brunel got to uh, how about uh, Johnny Evelyn I, I think was kind of one of the uh, stars of last weekend with what he was able to do and you know as I'm watching the fight and you know he takes John Salter to the ground, which is something that came up in my and in, in the interview I had with him before this fight, where he basically kind of said like, you know, hey man, I, I'm not afraid to take John Salter down, take him down to his world. Which I took as a way of him saying, look, if I start, you know, grappling with this guy, and I just feel like I'm I'm much stronger than him, I'm just going to go down there and I, I'm going to take it. I mean, he did, uh, he did have to defend an armbar attempt, but man, went out there and it was a really solid performance. You know, and see uh, when you know could he be next for Gegard Musasi? Uh, Usasi wants to fight three times this year. Um, you know, you know, we'll see if maybe he gets it. Maybe uh, Anatoly Tokov maybe gets it. Uh, you know, which, you know, you do kind of wonder with Tokov being from that uh, part of the world, could Bellator maybe have some issues with getting him into the United States at some point? I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens there. Uh, but I thought Johnny Able went out there, had a great performance. Um, you know, you you know, you look at some other performances there. How about Cody Law predicting the time of his finish in the fight—one minute and seventeen seconds—unreal. Wait, this
0: dude said he was going to finish a fight at one minute seventeen seconds. Yeah, and he finished it.
3: Did, did what the hell?
1: Yeah, his uh, yeah, uh, I saw the the tweet from Aaron Hawani where uh, Abe Cowell, who's Cody, who's Cody's managers, uh, right before they head to the arena, that was his prediction when he get the finish. Uh, just unreal.
0: Wow, that is uh, that is absolutely unreal, man. I mean, look, I think. Look, okay, first off, the main of UFC sucked. You know, Magomed Ankalaya. this is one of those things that that goes back to what I was talking about earlier about speed versus guys with less speed as they age. I mean, that to me was the story of Ankaliyev and Tiago Santos on the feet, right? Like, it was the speed of Magomed. He was just beating him to the punch the entire time. But, so, you know, he, he slowly moves up the light heavyweight rankings. But I really was happy watching so many of these cards because there were a lot of fighters that performed really well i mean you mentioned johnny Evelyn he deserves a middleweight championship fight he was a dog against john salter and he beat him in every facet of the game and he used the wrestling to secure round one it was a stand-up affair in round two where he was dominant in round three he went back to the wrestling and it showed that he is absolutely the most interesting challenger even above toka for gegar musasi so man, that was a hell of a performance. I think at, at um uh, the Eagle F C card, honestly, the you know, shout out to Diego Sanchez for not getting embarrassed, although I guess Kevin Lee said he tore he may have tore his ACL on very early in that fight. Uh Sanchez didn't get knocked out, so that was like a blessing, but The one name to keep an eye on is this Russian heavyweight in the co-main event who I wasn't too familiar with, even though he was coming off a contender series when Rizvan Kuniev, he tapped out Anthony Hamilton really quickly in round one. And I think he's going to you know, possibly fight the winner of uh, JDS and uh, Jorgen DeCastro. So this is a guy who's won 10 in a row, and he's a name to keep an eye on at, uh, at in the heavyweight division. But, you know, those are just two names. I mean, there are plenty of names at the UFC card that can get you real excited about their future, Jason.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, will you talk about kind of uh, the big takeaways – from, from last weekend. I'll go to the lightweight matchup over on the UFC card of Drew Dober and Terrence McKinney. Terrence McKinney, the first two minutes of that fight looks unbelievable. Good Lord, Drew Dober has a chin on him because Terrence McKinney lands some shots that I just feel like would have stopped a lot of top 15 lightweights. I mean, I thought Terrence McKinney, first two minutes, I mean, look, he went balls to the wall, and you could kind of see he, he, he the gas tank was wearing down because of how much he went balls to the wall. But Drew Dober, give him a lot of credit for what he was able to survive there, uh, what he was able to You know, we talk about Song Yudong, man, that, that's a great win. I don't know what happens with Marma at this point. I mean, you, you know what one, one in uh one in five in his last six fights. I mean, look, and and the other losses are all to the top of this division. So um, you know, guy makes a lot of money. Who who knows what that means uh for him? You mentioned about uh Ankalaev, uh Alex Bahia, man. That was a, that was a, a a fun fight to watch of him and Bruno Silva. And I just I feel like we're on a collision course. Uh, of Alex and Izzy, I think the only question is how quick do we get to that, that matchup?
0: Look, I, I think Perez has got to continue to win, and he, he clearly won this fight for sure. It was a stand-up affair. Solid defense uh, for Perez to keep the fight where he wanted it to go. This guy hit so freaking hard. But, you know, credit to Bruno Silva. He was a game fighter, too. I, I don't know if Alex is going to be able to go up against some of these top 10 middleweights and, and succeed, but I think it's only going to take one or two top ten fights for him to get a middleweight championship fight. All
1: right, let's you know? let's look at the top ten. Okay. All right, so uh, we'll go from uh, challenger number ten up to number one. Kevin Gaslam, number ten. I like.
0: I would pick Alex to beat him.
1: Yeah, because I feel like Kelvin, uh, Kelvin wouldn't use his wrestling, which would be by the way, Kelvin's uh, training at fight ready, prepare uh, for his matchup coming up here uh, at UFC 273. Uh, number nine, Uriah Hall i would i would pick alex i i would be down to see that fight i think that i I think when we talk about with the amount of ufc cards are like to me that that comes off to me as a fight night headliner
0: yeah that's that's a great way to kind of move him up in terms of a name darren till i would pick till in that fight you know, Till is kind of all over the place with his output and how he looks and fights.
1: But yeah, so these first three matchups, I all think stylistically put him in a really it put Alex Bray in a pretty good spot. Okay. Now, I think this is where we start to get kind of a little bit different. Jack Hermanson.
0: That's a tough fight.
1: I feel like Jack would try to go the grappling route in that one yeah. even though I, I mean yes it was against Murro Silva but I did thought we saw some good sprawl out of Alex in this fight yeah especially in round one he did get taken
0: down but he got back up in the second round I think but I think Jack
1: beats him Paulo Costa
0: oh crap <sighs> Dude, how could you? I don't know if Paulo Costa is gonna be drunk in the cage with the wine drunk, uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess I would pick Paulo Costa. Like he obviously has to be the favorite, but Paulo's
1: all over the place. Another stylistic fight. Sign me up for the watch. Yeah, Sean Strickland. Stylistically, Cheer another good fight for Alex Pereira.
0: Yeah, I think he would keep it standing, and that would be Alex's ball game.
1: All right, next two are awful stylistic matchups for Alex. Uh huh. Derek Brunson and Marvin Vittori.
0: Yeah, he's losing both those. Like those, those, especially Vittori, because Brunson will probably take him down too. But Brunson, you know, you never know with Derek. Sometimes he he goes off script. Then but you got
1: yeah. then you got Jared God, and Robert be,
0: You see, yeah. I hope Alice continues to succeed because there's a lot of good matchups that at away for him. That would be great fights.
1: Like, there's matchups, like, if I'm the UFC matchmakers, I'm avoiding. I am not putting him in there against Marvin Vittori. I'm not putting him in there uh, against Derek Brunson. But everyone else in that top 10, I think stylistically, he's not in an awful matchup.
0: Yeah, I would probably avoid Hermanson, but otherwise, yes, I agree with you.
1: Yeah, um... In terms of uh, anything else that really stuck out to me, I, I uh, Javid uh, Bazarat is someone that I'm interested to see kind of his development, uh, kind of a cool story. His brother wins uh, earlier that day in Spain, and then he wins uh, that day there uh, in Las Vegas. Damon Jackson gets a win. Um, that was his final finals UFC deal. So you would imagine that he'll get a UFC deal. Cool uh, Roundtree, second round win there. Um, Sadiq Youssef a win over on Bellator uh, Roman Ferraldo a, a knockout win in 44 seconds uh, what Alex Palazzo was able to bounce back from get that submission win there in the third round um, those, and uh, Phil Davis went out there and did what Phil Davis does
0: he out wrestled him he used his wrestling yeah it wasn't too exciting Jason that's for damn sure
1: the one point in the third round where literally he just picks up Anglicius and it's like okay where am I just going to drop this guy yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was uh, it was an easy fight for Pill to win, man. I think, I think when I look back at that UFC Bellator mix, I think the other things, and you kind of mentioned it, but like, yeah, Drew Dober, Terrence McKinney is the one fight you need to watch this weekend. It's just the best, one of the best rounds all year. The best fight, other than that one, is obviously the main event at Bellator. The highlight of the weekend is probably the third round uh, knee from Azamat Mirzakhanov against Tafan Chukwi in the light heavyweight division to kick off uh, the ESPN card. Uh, Guido Canetti's knocking over Chris Matinho was pretty rough, too. Chris was a good story against Sean O'Malley, but I don't know if we'll see him back in the UFC. He just, maybe we will for one more fight because he did him a solid. I thought Random Maverick was pretty dominant when using her wrestling and, and ultimately her, her grappling to tap out Sabina Mazo. But yeah, I thought the, you know, Song Yadong is probably the best fighter of the UFC card for sure. And then, you know, the best moment had to have been Khalil Roundry's post-fight interview, very emotional talking about like suicide and whatnot. And uh, he continued to talk about that in the post-fight press conference. So all in all, a very emotional and wholesome moment that I will remember for a long time. I think when I think back to this weekend, maybe Khalil Roundtree's post-fight interview impresser Presser might be the thing that sticks with me the most.
1: The other thing I'd point out from the UFC card was uh, Cody Brodich's win, which uh, was a, Cody was, I mean, look, he was getting lit, lit up on the feet. And why Dolce tries to take it to the ground and just gets caught in a guillotine. Like, you want to talk about awful fighter IQ, man. I mean, he is just lighting... Like, you could have made the case, the referee, to stop the fight, like they, they did in the Motinio fight, which I had no problem with that stoppage. I thought it was a good stoppage. But, I mean, there was just moments where Brunner's just getting pieced apart, and then Dolce just awful fighter IQ trying to go for a takedown.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. That was a crazy dumb move to, to put his neck there, and and that was another good come from behind one. There were some good fights on, the, on this past weekend. It, it wasn't the sexiest weekend, but... It was a memorable one for me personally. I I thoroughly liked it.
1: Now, before we get into UFC London, let you hear the other interview on this week's edition of the podcast. That is with UFC vet KB Ballar, who is coming off a win in the co main event of Unified MMA 43. Joining me now here on the MMA report is a man who's coming off a decision victory. Unified MMA forty-three KB man. As always, a uh, great to uh, chat with you. A uh, man, I tell you, going back and watching the fight, uh, you, you had to deal with a lot of blitzing uh, in, in this matchup. Uh, was that something that, uh, because of, of your past experience with your opponent and in, in training with him, was that was something you expected?
2: One hundred percent, man. Yeah, I knew he was he was going to blitz. I knew he was going to look for just heavy, heavy punches the whole time. I didn't anticipate just how insanely durable he was going to be. Like I could have been in there with a, with a fucking like bat. And he still would have been there the whole time. So uh, honestly, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing how I, I basically feel like I fought Wolverine.
1: You know, you, you had an Instagram post where you kind of alluded to that of, you know, hey, man, this guy just, just kept coming. The third round, I mean, you're throwing leg kick after, you know, head kick after head kick. I mean, he, he he's blocked with his arm, which I'm sitting and going, his arm had to be killing him after this fight was over. Was there was there a moment in the fight where you were just like, okay, man, I you know what, I'm just going to have to keep pounding and pounding away because this guy's just not going away?
2: I knew um, going into this camp, my coach would – would tell me that like you're in this, in this fight, you know, not even, not even a werewolf is going to be able to stop a Bengal that can fuck all day. And I didn't understand what that meant really at first, but what he was saying was just that I needed to be there the whole time. Like I needed to be in his face the whole time and responding to his pressure with my own pressure, keep putting it on him. And no matter what, even if, even if he's still standing after like the heaviest strikes that I just keep going. Like I keep putting it on him. Um, so I went in there with that mentality and, um, I think that's why the fight was able to play out the way it did was because, um, both of us, me and him, were going to just be there the whole time, no matter what. And then it ended up being uh, a spectacular fight. Um, it was just, it was, truly it was remarkable how how durable he was. He was, yes, blocking that with his arm, but that that still is going to rattle your brain no matter what. And even if you block with your arm, it's not necessarily blocking. It's just getting kicked in the arms. Like that will break your arms, you know. So insane.
1: I mentioned about the Instagram post you had about the fight, and you ended it with you said. Never doubt my heart. Never doubt my toughness. Now, when I see that, that may that leads me to believe that you believe people have been doubting you.
2: A hundred percent, yeah. People will, uh, people will think that I'm like a uh, a technician, and that I'm patient, and I take my time. And sure, those things are true, but when push comes to shove, you know, I can bring it. And, um, that proves that
1: I, I want to say it was the second round. It's like, I don't know if he, the, on the broadcast, they joked that maybe he flicked a booger at you. It almost made, it looks like he flicked blood at you. What happened in that moment?
2: Mm. So, so, uh, in the second round, about a minute in, um, uh, I landed a flying knee and, uh, the flying knee, like destroyed Strania's face like like his his nose like exploded, his mouth like was just leaking blood everywhere. like his ear was leaking blood like it was it was just madness. and then um, he Strania being Strania though, however, would not go down even after all the follow-up shots after that. and then he continued to press forward. And, uh, he even tried to like, uh, time me getting overzealous as we were along the cage and he, and he whips like a, an overhand, right. And I, I, I had a feeling it was coming, which is why I, I posted out with my jab. Um, and then shortly after that, you see him uh, reach for his nose to like wipe away the, the blood that's starting to run out of it. And, uh, he, he grabs like a handful of blood and then he looks at me and he just goes, and he, and he fucking, he throws the blood at me. Um, I mean, it was it actually was kind of funny. Um, but I mean the whole time th- we, he was talking to me the whole time. Like he was talking to me the whole time. There was a point at which where, uh, we were, we were tied up in the clinch and, uh, I hit him with a knee and then I hit him with like three or four like hard elbows. And after one elbow, where I like, I spear elbowed him on the top of the neck, and like, he, I pull him into the tight clinch after, and he, he, he like whispers to me, and he says, This is what we need, Gabey. This is it, man. And I'm like, What the fuck? I'm like, This is,
1: what is happening?
2: I'm like, We are in bedlam right now you know like it was just crazy
1: you you get the victory uh you know you've won three three of your last four here um you know back to back now wins here in in unify what what is next for you
2: more fights you know i want to fight again soon uh i just gotta heal up i gotta let my shins heal up and uh um my ankle and whatnot and then once that's good uh let's get back to work let's get back to work let's keep fighting
1: that's one of the things I wrote down about, uh, you know, the, the, how active you have been since August of last year, this was your fourth fight since August of last year, obviously part of that obviously is staying healthy, which kind of made me think about, uh, I mean, some of these elbows, these short elbows, you're were landing were just brutal. I mean, how, how's the elbows doing?
2: Uh, my elbows hurt. Uh, my hands hurt. Um, my knees are hurting. Like he, he ripped my knee open with his teeth. Um, uh, my, my, my shins are hurt. Uh, my feet hurt. Uh, I'm, I'm hurt. Like my body hurts a lot.
1: It, it, so obviously I'm guessing the next week or so is just more about, you know, just recovery and just, a, a you know, may, maybe just hop into the gym and maybe, maybe try to just be there for moral support for your, uh, for your guys.
2: Yeah. I mean, I would like to, I just take this week off and relax. um, and then I, I've still been just trying to get into the gym and, and keep my mind in it by being there for um for Tanner and whatnot because he's getting ready for his fight coming up in, in April. So um I like I like to just be in that environment, be around other warriors and just be around other guys that um have that that same mental outlook on, on what we're doing and then it just keeps my mind in it. If I stay out of the gym for too long, like um I think it just impacts your activity. Um, it impacts your mind. Uh, I just want to keep my mind in it, you know, cause right now it's fresh and, uh, my body, although I'm not able to, to fully, um, commit myself to the training, I can still be there mentally and, and take things in and make notes, talk to my coaches, see what things that they, you know, they, they thought happened and uh, adjustments that we can make moving forward. And, and then, Physically make those adjustments once my body's just good to go.
1: Speaking of that, uh, how many times will you go back and how many times will you watch your fight until you say, "You know what? I've watched it X amount of times. It's time to move on."
2: Um, uh, I watched it. I watched it once, and um, uh, people w- would send me highlights and whatnot of, of the fight, but like the entirety of the fight itself, uh, I watched once just to watch it. And then I watched it once to like study it and, and kind of make notes on perhaps things that went right, things that went wrong. And then uh, that was it. And then my coach, uh, he talked to me and, and uh, told me some things he liked, some things that we can do better. And uh, then I made a mental note of that. And you know, a lot of it is just, once you make those mental notes, you can start to rehearse it in your head and then make it happen physically.
1: But was it one of those things of when your coach is saying, hey, "Hey, here's here's the pros, here here's the cons of the fight." Was it already in your mind of like, "Yeah, coach, I, I had the same thoughts as well."
2: Um,
1: yeah, almost everything,
2: almost everything that he he said, like, uh, immediately clicked with me, um, and I understood, like, yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. Um, yeah, everything he told me, I, I feel like is, is something I can do better.
1: Course we look forward I
2: think he told me I did good I, think I did good
1: and of course uh, we look forward to seeing when that next fight is gonna take place KB as always man I appreciate time of course love nothing fight on social media and anybody else you want to mention man
2: um, I just want to say um, thank you to uh, Stranya for uh, an amazing fight um, I hope he's uh, uh, you know I hope he's healing up well and um, doing okay himself I think he gained uh, a ton of fans and a ton of respect after that performance. Um, you know, we, t- we talked about crap going into the fight, but, uh, the fight was, uh, amazing. And, uh, on his side, I hope, I hope he's doing well and, uh, I hope we can see him back in the cage soon and he can put on a uh, more memorable performances like that, man. So, and thank you to everyone who uh, came out to the fights too. uh, support fighters like us. Uh, try and make a living doing this stuff. So, thank you to all the fans uh, of Unified and uh, thanks, Unified MMA, for having us.
1: And that was my conversation with KB Billard. Appreciate him coming on the podcast, talk about his win there at Unified MMA 43. Very entertaining fight. If you got a fight past the script, you did not see that fight, go over to Fight Pass and check that out. Now, Daniel. We are a first, I believe this is the first fight night card in front of a main, uh, an arena audience since the beginning of the pandemic as the UFC's in London, actually in the next two weeks, fight night cards, uh, not in Las Vegas, of course, next week we'll be there in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, it it just, you know, we could joke about the UFC Apex fight night cards that they're just some fights. You look at this UFC London card, you can tell they put a card together where they knew they need to sell some tickets.
0: 100%. 100%. I mean, this is a damn good card, dude. I'm freaking excited. I'm a freaking excited for this UFC Fight Night card. I don't know when's the last time I've been excited for a UFC Fight Night card. I think that's what happens when you got to sell tickets, Jason. I mean, they got. If this wasn't the Apex, Patty Pimblett and Rodrigo Vargas would be the main event. And. The the only other fight on this whole card that would be on the card would probably be Molly McCann and Luana Carolina because McCann likes to fight the same time Patty does, like dude, this card is sick, bro. Like Volkov Aspinall, solid heavyweight matchup. Alan Dan Hooker, oh, close close contest to call. Watching Patty Pimblett walk out to a UFC crowd in England, bro, this is gonna be epic.
1: You know, the, the thing about Patty is it's going to be interesting to kind of see how the, you know, I mean, look, it is very clear he's the A side of this fight, of how they're going to match him up going forward. Uh, but I mean, you look throughout this card, I, I mean, obviously, you mentioned some fights that, that stuck out to me Volkoff and Aspinall. Um, you know, the last three weeks have been an interesting one with the UFC and Alexander Volkoff as they have been trying to get him uh, to England, um, but he did get his visa. He has arrived in London. Uh, Tom Aspinall, you know, look, there's a, a A lot of very smart people in this business that believe Tom Asimov's ceiling is UFC heavyweight champion. Uh, As as I look at some other fights in this card that that stick out to me, Dan Hooker back at 145, taking on Arnold Allen. Uh, Jack Shore taking on Timur Valiev is another one that sticks out to me. John Herbert, Ilya Taporia, I think should be a fun matchup between those two guys. Muhammad Mukhaev, who is making his UFC debut against Cody Durden. Remember that name. This is a uh, was a standout amateur fighter, six and zero as a professional. But like top to bottom, you know. And then by the way, this is an afternoon card here in the United States. Start uh, prelims one o'clock Eastern Time. Main card at four o'clock Eastern Time. It is just it's a great card, top to bottom. I mean, look, the number one re- reason to watch this fight card, no, no question, it's the main event of Tom Aspinall and, and, and Alexander Volkov. I was I actually, disagree. I disagree. Really,
0: Paddy Piml is number no one reason to watch this card. I think. I think. I could be wrong. I look I know Volkov, Aspinall, those are like top heavyweights. But I just think the number one article on MMA websites after this card is over will be the Patty Pimblett article.
1: Look, there's no question the potential's there. Um but it's not even about the
0: potential, right? Like inside the cage, Arnold Allen, Dan Hooker, Tom Aspinall, Volkov, Gunnar Nils These are all better fighters. Ilia Topuria better fighter than Patty Pamplin It's not about what happens inside the cage. It's about the whole show. Like he's just got the uh, an incredible amount of charisma, and he is going to be the water cooler conversation. He's going to be the fight that is on Sports Center because of what he does after the cage, or or maybe the walkout. Look, he's got
1: the it factor. There's no question about it. I The reason I say number one for me is more about what the fight means right now, because I have a feeling that we're going to see a very slow bill with Patty Pimblett. I do not think that they are going to um, throw him into the deep waters.
0: I mean, he almost freaking lost his last fight. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if they throw him in the deep waters, he's probably going to drown. Uh, and yeah, so they don't want that to happen. Yeah, he did almost lose his last fight, and, and you're right. As like a hardcore MMA fan, volkov Aspinall is really captivating because, like, you know, Volkov's—I mean, Aspinall's ceiling is pretty damn high, but Alexander Volkov has been a reality check for so many different yeah. fighters throughout his career. He really has. I mean, he's been someone who's just kind of like, hey, bro, the reality is I'm a damn good heavyweight, and it's hard to, uh, to penetrate his length. It's hard to beat this guy— The reason I'm picking Aspinall aside from his upside is you gotta think Volkoff's been dealing with some BS this past few weeks. And it's just been difficult to focus and hone in on this particular fight.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think really it, it comes in, in really this first like 15 minutes of the fight you know, with this being a 25-minute fight where it, is it just as is going to work that takedown so much that it's just going to wear out Alexander Volkov? I was surprised when I looked at the betting odds to see that essentially this is a pick-em fight. Um, pretty much uh, most of the places minus 110 uh, on both sides of this. Uh, Asol on some books is as much as a minus 125 favorite. Uh, which is that's over at MGM over at DraftKings Sportsbook. He's plus 100, Um, you know, but I mean, look, you bring up a great point of kind of what has what has training life been like for Alexander Volkov with everything that is going on in that part of the world.
0: Yeah, I mean, do you want to put in that extra round when you feel like there's that possibility that you don't even fight? Right. Like like you don't know if you're going to be there weeks ago and it, it's gotta feel it's just gotta I mean can you imagine getting your visa I mean I haven't got my passport in like 15 years because
1: I don't want to deal with that nonsense I, I uh, well I need to renew my passport because I got a game in Germany here later on this year uh, my passport's dude, expired you need,
0: you need to get on that man you need to get on that especially this time of especially year really, going
1: on? someone says it only takes like three weeks if you're renewing it
0: oh, okay that makes sense instead of just yeah Man, time flies by so quickly. It really does. I mean, I can't believe we're already gonna have March Madness. Like by 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 the time we record, we're already gonna be done with two rounds of March Madness, and uh, neither of our teams are in it.
1: Yeah, it was not a it was not a great year for FSU, especially the way that season ended, which is getting pummeled and punched by Syracuse.
0: And that was a lame punch. You know, as a pro wrestler, I've hit—I've been hit with harder punches than what Bayhan did to your guy. But, yeah, I mean, Texas A&M almost punched their ticket, dude. We were on the bubble. We got all the way to the conference championship final. We beat Auburn. But, yeah, uh, the game started off, and, you know, I was at the bar Sunday after the concert. I was eating brunch, and I saw we were down 15-0. I was was like, man, I got so hungover after that concert because, like, I went to the concert, Jason. It's Dua Lipa, so obviously I'm going because my girlfriend wants to see Dua Lipa, not because I'm a particular big fan. So as soon as I get there, you know what I got to do. What do you think I got to do? You you had to hydrate. I had to get some freaking beer. I had to get in line and I I was like, I need to get beer and I need that. I know you can only sell two beverages per person, so I need to get the strongest beer they got. So I got two hardcore IPAs, and as soon as I sat back down, I went back in the beer line to get two more beers. So by the time the concert started, I had four beers and uh, I got hungover because I think I mixed the IPAs with the normal beer and I had already had beer prior. So yeah, I was so hungover. I I wasn't even that drunk. I was just really not feeling well, man. I was either, I had a headache and I had a poop a lot
1: I'm not an IPA guy
0: me neither I am not either I just wanted to get drunk I wanted to feel good listening (laughs) to this pop star sing her songs
1: yeah you're not gonna catch me at Dua Lipa show
0: yeah well you know I'm still paying my dues brother I'm still paying my dues yeah yeah. she put put on a good show I enjoyed it it wasn't my type of scene but
1: but yeah I mean it's yeah not yeah who knows you probably you might catch her do a halftime show while you're there I, I couldn't tell you the last concert i went to
0: and the last concert you went to was the halftime show last year two years ago sure,
1: yeah that, that, i guess that would be true yeah i mean yeah, I've, gone to, I've gone to a comedy show recently but yeah um, you've gone to, you to um
0: micro wrestling
1: yeah yeah i went i saw we saw gabriel iglesias when he was in town he put on a good show he, he did he had like a two-hour set
0: oh wow that's yeah. impressive that's really impressive. I mean, usually shows are about an hour, fifteen minutes, maybe.
1: Yeah, he yeah, he he went on for a long time. I mean, it's and you know, I've seen him now a couple of times. He's 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 really good live, really good live.
0: Yeah, he's really good physical comedian too.
1: Actually, I think uh, might be going to the CFFC show this week. It's here in Tampa on Thursday night, so I might try to catch he, some local MMA on Thursday. Who's a uh, big fight on that one? Well, uh, they've got I want to say it's a uh, Blake Smith is um, the headliner. Okay yeah but a bunch of local Tampa fighters on that on that show. Um, CFC is kind of you know kind of getting out of that northeast and kind of traveling around here. you know maybe, maybe I hit John Morgan see if he wants to have some uh, cold frosty beverages which I <laughs> I don't know if you listen to John's uh, podcast No uh, so his co-host I guess got into a little uh, little bar fight and uh the guy he went up against decided to throw a lazy leg kick and John goes, who the f throws a lazy leg kick in a street fight? Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah, man. That's uh, I feel like we got the similar vibes, man. You're the John Morgan. I'm the one likely to get in a fight.
1: Yeah, man. I'll be honest. I don't listen to a ton of podcasts. I I would say I listen to three on the regular. I listen to John's podcast. I listen to um, the co-main event podcast and I listen to Ann Florian. And then every once in a while, I'll check out Morning Combat on YouTube.
0: Yeah, I uh, I only listen to the co-main event podcast regularly. And I will check out Ariel's MA hour interviews uh, if, they, if I'm not doing anything at work and they pique my interest.
1: I usually just go to Jedi Goodman's uh, Twitter handle to find out which interviews uh, are the good ones to watch.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. I, I liked on the and Event podcast. They had a question, they talked about this guy who's like the unsung hero of MMA. It's the Grabaka Hitman.
1: Oh yeah, oh god, us. yeah. Him and Caposo. Yeah, they they are yeah, they're the OGs of MMA Twitter.
0: Yeah, I mean it's amazing. Like they are, and, and they're right. Like they they have to be multiple people. There's no way it's just one person running that account because what? Like, do they go outside?
1: Like like I've said, there, like uh, I saw someone the other day going, "Hey, if uh, if those two uh, Twitter accounts can't watch the PFL, PFL, you got a problem."
0: A hundred percent. I mean, these people
1: are watching fight cards in Azerbaijan, all all hours of the day. I'm telling you, I can be sitting here at 9 o'clock in the morning and that those accounts are tweeting about some fight going on somewhere in this world.
0: Yeah, yeah. They uh, they do an unbelievable service. I mean, they deserve, like, we talk about the World MMA Awards and all these MMA journalists, blah, blah, blah. I mean, these two dudes deserve awards. They really do. I mean, they, like, inform and, uh, and show us a world, a, a part of the MMA world that we would not see.
1: Oh, totally. There, you know, and there's no clickbait bullshit going on there. Yeah, there is not.
0: It's just they. I don't see how they make any money. I really don't. But yeah, then I also saw uh, this past Sunday night. I watched a Bomani Jones. He had a show on HBO that debuted, and um, a portion talked about MMA, but not normal MMA. It was about five on five MMA, and, and probably I don't know what country it was, but yeah, looked pretty interesting. Five I, on five MMA.
1: So I know of somebody that was this is a couple of years ago was trying to push for two on two MMA, and I'm just like, it's never going to work, bro. It's never going to work. You're never going to get this thing. That, but yeah, yeah. There, there I are. Wonder, some... I
0: wonder if two on two MMA would work if you could literally tag out like <laughs> professional wrestling. If you could literally tag out. That would be hilarious.
1: Yeah. By the way, I saw Paige VanZant made her. Uh, I guess it, it, it. I guess it aired officially that she had signed with the yeah, AEW. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So so far, her first strike looked like crap. But then she threw Ty Conte into the s- stairs, and she did. She did that. You know, she did that well. But she's gonna need to go to wrestling training. And again, the number one thing she's gonna need to do, lay it in, make it look real. The number one mistake real fighters do when it comes to pro wrestling is. Make it look fake and and not, you know, they don't want to hurt the person, but, you know, that's, that's, yeah, you got to make it look real.
1: By the way, uh, speaking of uh, combat sports and and viral clips this week, I don't know if you saw this from uh, over the weekend. Uh, Bare Knuckle was doing an event up in New York and uh, a fighter uh, leg sweeped his opponent.
0: I did not see that. That That's crazy. (laughs)
1: And then yeah. I saw I saw another clip. I want to say it was on the ESPN ringside uh, Instagram account in a boxing matchup. Dude just took his boat down.
0: That's insane. I saw, you know what I saw? I think everyone saw this one. That damn Michael Conlon knockout. Did you see this?
1: I saw people talking about knockout. it, yeah. Yeah.
0: This dude got knocked. And I'm pretty sure he was the favorite. Don't know, though. I've heard his name before. But he got knocked out, and he literally fell outside the ring. You need to see this. Oh, I, I was, I've not seen the club. Was really I'll, I'll have to search for it. Yeah. yeah, I was. I think I was checking it out while I was on the toilet as my girlfriend was getting ready. But like, yeah, that was crazy. I didn't watch that fight, but yeah, apparently it was a great fight where that guy came from behind and and knocked him the hell out, and it was really scary. Which thank God he's all right. But yeah, crazy times in MMA and combat
1: sports. Yeah, I mean, and this week's kind of a light week. We got the UFC show um, this weekend on Saturday. Lo- love me some afternoon MMA. Uh, Bellator we got a. I guess we got a month to the next card. Um, that's the, the McKee and Pitbull fight. Um great it's a great Bellator card there on a Friday night, uh, with the one two uh, combination with uh, Nemkov and Corey Anderson. I, I guess we should mention, I always like to uh mention about being transparent with my Bellator rankings. Uh, any division we should uh profile this week?
0: This upcoming week or or let's see, who do you let's see, who do you got uh who do you got at middleweight now? Wait, did we just do middleweight? We did middleweight. Well, well, so, uh, Rudy, right, so I'll take.
1: Oh, I what I, I uh, I put Johnny Eblen number one, uh, Salter two, Vanderfort three, Fabian Edwards four, Anatoly Tokov five. The only reason I have Tokov that low is just based on who you know who he's beaten Bellator, um, and then it's yeah the, the rest of uh, the what rest about of is it? tough.
0: What about uh, Adam Borax? Where is he
1: at now? Uh, he's uh, I have him as number two behind uh, Patricio, uh, Patricio Pitbull. So yeah, at, so at Featherweight, I got uh, Pitbull one, Borax two, Burnell three, Kennedy four, Sanchez five, Carvalho six, Pico seven, uh, Weichel eight, Gonz- uh, Justin Gonzalez nine, and Robert Whiteford ten. I know, um, I want to say Pico's like number four. In the overall rankings? Wow.
0: He's wait, Pico is number four in pound for pound?
1: No, 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 in, in the oh. featherweight rankings. Featherweight oh, rankings. Like, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, the thing is, Pico's the most exciting name. Like out of all those, and like if he was matched up with any of those guys, I'd probably pick him. He just doesn't have the resume. Yes, yeah, so I don't to think justify he'd... that.
1: So we had to get the our our votes in today by four o'clock Eastern time. So yeah, uh, Pico in the previous ranking cycle was number four at feather. So he's, pro- he's probably going
0: to be number three when when they He's probably going to be in front of Brunel.
1: Well, not for me though. Well, not
0: for you. But I, I think it's likely. Like I think people will ding Brunel after this loss. I mean, Brunel fought a good fight against Borax though he really did
1: yeah pico's got uh he is on that next card coming up and yeah he's uh he's against jeremy kennedy which is gonna be a good a good test to see where pico's at
0: yeah if he wins that then he absolutely deserves to be the fourth ranked fighter in that weight class
1: by the way uh still only 10 fighters to rank at women's featherweight
0: yeah does it still have the two or three fighter in there
1: uh, we've got, uh, the three and four fighter. Yeah. Yeah. She's a four fighter. Yeah. yeah. Um, of course, Bellator did announce last week going to Hawaii. That's going to be a start of the, uh, Bantamweight Grand Prix. Very interesting. They went right off with Pettis and, uh, and Rafion Stout. The so two, uh, they've been teammates.
0: Wait, I didn't even see that. Yeah, they're going Yeah, they're going to
1: Hawaii. And, uh, it's I didn't gonna, even
0: see they announced that fight.
1: So they're doing uh, shows on a Friday and Saturday night. Friday night is going to be uh, a car will, will be for the troops uh, stationed in Hawaii. And then on Saturday, so you've got uh, Stotts and uh, Pettis. Also, uh, that's the Cyborg Blanco fight card.
3: Wow.
0: Wow, 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 wow. I did not know that uh that they match those guys up man yeah and that
1: that is going to be bellator 279 on april the 23rd so you, you'll you have the the card there on the 15th and the following weekend there in hawaii so you got Pettis Hor Gucci patchy mix uh they haven't announced the other pairings for the other side of this tournament
0: so then who's that who, who's the other side who's that you have a. Uh, you have uh, uh, Gallagher, right?
1: Yeah, get you have Gallagher and uh-huh. uh, Leandro Higo, Magamad Magomedov, and Juan Archuleta. Dude, you got uh, you got to you got to do Gallagher Higo.
0: They put Gallagher
1: against the yeah. That's the fight that that to me is a fight to make. Yeah, this final
0: is going to be kind of lame duck because like the fights I want to see are all on one side of that
1: bracket. Well, They're I mean, top, the, the, the thing top is, top they haven't. Fighters. The thing is, they haven't put out the bracket. They've just oh, put yeah, out so. two of the four matchups. So who knows what that bracket actually looks like?
0: I mean, dude, the top four fighters, in my opinion, are Mix Horiguchi, Pettis, and Stouts. I would put McElmend is up there too. Yeah,
1: if they put a bracket up, to me, Stotts, um, Pettis, and Horiguchi, Mix are on two sides of d- different sides of the bracket to wow, to I'm basically try to set up the winner of those fights to. Potentially meet in the finals, one hundred percent. You know, but I, 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 was, I was surprised they went with the Stotts pedest right from the start.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is something that wasn't even on my radar. Wasn't aware it was announced. Crazy.
1: Yeah, but uh, I'm also excited, I'm um, that card is going to have Alima Lay McFarland. This will be her first fight uh, since uh, losing a title. She's going to take on Justine Kish. Um, if you follow Alima Lay mcfarlane on Instagram, uh, she is a uh, She's gone to a sober life, um, which is uh, kind of interesting to kind of see some of the stuff that she's put out there. That yeah, that would be the Saturday card. Uh, they'll do also do a Friday card, um, which is going to be uh, a card that'll be just for the troops. Uh, no fights have been announced for that, so I would imagine you're probably going to see uh, a lot of. I would imagine like someone like a Kai Kamaka will be on that card. Um, I think you'll see a lot of their 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 Hawaiian talent on that card. And and, and look, they'll use it also as a way to. Basically, figure out who who are the next uh, Hawaiian fighters potentially bring in Bellator. Yeah,
0: well, I'm freaking excited, you know. I think uh, I think that whole weekend is gonna it's gonna be dope, bro. And I think honestly, Bellator 279's main card is probably the best Bellator main card. I think I can remember seen in a long time
1: and you know like it's crazy thing is it was like two weeks ago oh no shay capital's getting the rematch immediately well that didn't last too long shoot oh she can't she can't get that done i mean i, know, I would be surprised if she didn't bust it. i i haven't seen uh, anything about her knee injury but i'd be surprised if that's not a major
0: knee. Injury. do you know Is this the same arena they ran the last time the limelay fought in hawaii yes uh i wonder how much a bigger like how important it was to get Cyborg on this card for the, for the house to pay for the, her contract. Right. Like, you know, you would think the ticket prices will be pretty good revenue for a fight card well, like Well, I,
1: I think that's the other thing. As you look at like the future of Chris Cyborg is does Bellator want to continue in the Chris? I, and I don't know the answer to this question. I don't know the answer to the question, but I, I would wonder, does Bellator continue in the Chris Cyborg business when her, um, when her contracts up?
0: Exactly. I mean, it, it's a tough question because as good as Chris Cyborg is, the challengers aren't just there for Bellator to make big time fights and maybe justify the amount of money you're spending to have her fight for you.
1: Yeah. I mean, and then the makes you wonder is at that point, I would have to think that they probably just get rid of the entire 145 pound division if they they don't stay in the Chris Cyborg business.
0: I think that's incredibly likely,
1: without a doubt. And, and maybe that's where PFL takes advantage. Yeah,
0: but it's not like there's a whole lot of fighters that they can grab from Bellator that is gonna make their 145 pound division amazing.
1: I mean look, they're 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 running a hundred forty five pound division, the just the fighters fight at one fifty five. If you you look at all the fighters that are in that lightweight division for BFL, they're all 145ers. Hell, some are yeah. 135ers.
0: Yeah, some of them are 135ers. You know, right? Yeah, but yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> I did see where Brock Lesnar went on this. Uh, he has uh, said, yeah, my, my MMA days are over. Not really, I don't yeah. think it's really surprising news. but Not a big
0: shocker, but I mean, hey, there was a time and place where people legitimately thought that he would come in and fight John Jones, right? Like That wasn't too far long ago, but yeah, I think at this point. You know, I mean, it all went downhill after the diverticulitis situation, man. He really mm-hmm. wasn't the same inside the cage whenever that transpired.
1: that was so long ago
0: I know that was scary I mean yeah that was scary bro and I I really think that's crazy that that happened but yeah that completely impacted him in in a major way but man hey Brock Lesnar a legend of the sport
1: yeah I mean it would not shock me if we see some type of altercation between Brock and John Jones in a WWE ring at some point
0: yeah I think that's possible for sure that that Uh,
1: seems like a WWE route they would go down
0: Absolutely I don't know if you can have a fighter Who had a bigger impact on this sport Who only won four fights in the UFC Officially I mean because the Mark Hunt fight Is now in no contest So I mean Brock had how many Four wins, fights how, in the
1: UFC How many wins did Rousey have in the UFC? She had,
0: had more than four She beat Tate uh, She beat she
1: beat Tate twice right?
0: Yeah Carmouche. She beat She's probably around Hall. seven
1: or eight, she, probably. She,
0: she did not beat home, obviously. Uh Let me see. I'm about to pull it up. It's a good call, but she won six fights in the UFC. So, you know, sometimes these fighters who we remember uh, don't necessarily win too much. Conor McGregor. <laughs> yeah, Conor McGregor's one won fight in the last half decade.
1: Yeah, I saw uh, someone put a graphic up of like the top five lightweights in um, the UFC in 2016. No, one of them in the top five right now. Of course, one of them, Habib, is retired.
0: Yeah, who else is he? Habib? Who else? Is Anthony Pettis and Ben Sanderson uh, in there?
1: Connor, Eddie Alvarez. Anthony Pettis? No? No, I don't think Pettis was in there. Oh, man. Maybe, maybe RDA? I can see RDA in there.
0: Uh, was Donald Cerrone in there? Probably not. No, I don't no. know. Oh, God. I can't even put my... Brain during that time period. It's
1: a long time ago. It's a long time ago. Yeah. But yeah. I, but I feel like if you do that every division, it'd be the it'd be a similar situation.
0: Yeah, except for women's
1: flyweight or heavyweight, maybe. Heavyweight yeah. they've got a long term lifespan. Yeah, yeah, or even Walter. Uh, yeah,
0: I would say heavyweight will probably be the one. That one and and women's uh, women's flyweight. I mean, Valentina Shevchenko. How long has she been champion? Probably since like twenty
1: eighteen. Yeah, I gotta about
0: think right. yeah.
1: There's no one I see beat her anytime soon.
0: I know, dude. Like she's she's probably gonna have one of the most impressive UFC careers ever. Yeah, she won the uh, vacant championship December twenty eighteen.
1: I, I feel like we will see her at one thirty back at one thirty five at some point.
0: I definitely think uh I mean look, if she matches up with Juliana Pena, I'm picking Chevchenko to beat her.
1: Mm-hmm. so no no i'm with you i'm with you but uh but that is going to do it for this week's edition of the mma report podcast always appreciate everyone taking time out of your day to download and listen to this episode of course a great way to show your support for the show is by checking out the advertisers over the Ma report.com also by leaving a five-star rating and review so that's going to do it for this week's edition of the mma report podcast which comes out every tuesday on your favorite podcasting platform